This podcast is recorded in front of a live studio audience at Legend Comics in Omaha, Nebraska. Hi, I'm Leah Thompson, star of Space Camp, and you're listening to the Hoot... <laughs> Two-Headed Nerd. You're listening to the Two-Headed Nerd Comcast with Joe and Matt. All right, the Huskers kick off in 15 minutes, so we got to get this crap done. Welcome to episode 81 of THN. We're talking comics and nerd news for the week of Wednesday, September 12th. My name is Matt Baum. That's at Matt Baumstein on the Twitter, S-T-E-I-N. And when I'm not drawing hash marks on my fat little pug's bellies in preparation for their butchering, grinding, seasoning, and stuffing for a fresh rosemary pug sausage, I'm writing the Comic Speculator blog and appraising comics for WordPoint.com. That is terrible. Whatever. Terrible. They got fat. We went to the vet. They got fat. I got a a 30-pound pug. (laughs) I'm Joe Patrick at JoePatrick116 on the Twitter. And when I'm not ignoring my co-host's texts and then telling him to shut up and throwing a fit and falling in it. Yes. That's a run-on sentence if I ever read one. Yes, but I had to explain what happened to you. Oh, so apparently I'm throwing a fit and falling in it when I'm not given a production credit on the podcast. That we don't make any money on. You cried like a baby. I'm also the manager of Legend Comics in Omaha, Nebraska. Big cave baby who doesn't know how to work a computer. This week, you'll hear in-depth reviews of The Shade, number 12, and Stump Down, volume 2, number 1. That's a mouthful. After that, we'll review 10 comics so fast, it'll leave you wondering if we read them at all during ludicrous speed round, and then we'll point our dowsing rods toward the future to define the secrets of next week's comics during our visit to the THN Sanctum Sanctorum. And finally, the comic pushers are boarding the 250-foot yacht and setting sail to make a comic junkie out of a listener from across the pond. But before we get to all that bickering and battering, let's take a moment to wish Mario and Luigi a happy birthday on September 13th. 1985, Super Mario Brothers for the NES system hit the shelves and my life was never the same. I remember getting it for Christmas and freaking out. My grandparents gave it to me and I wiggled around on the floor. (laughs) I was so excited. And now let's talk about this week's big news! Details about Marvel's latest round of teasers seem to be rolling out in the usual fashion this week at first. We got confirmation of a new series called Avengers Arena by writer Dennis Hopeless and artist Kev Walker, which will be a Hunger Games slash Battle Royale style story where characters from Avengers Academy, The Runaways, and elsewhere are forced to fight to the death in Arcade's murder world. My first reaction to this was, that's dumb. My second reaction was, if they actually kill kids, that's fucking awesome. Did you see the cover? Yeah, it looks great. It's the Battle Royale cover. I know, it looks great. Uh, also confirmed a relaunch of Thunderbolts by Daniel Way and Steve Dillon, star- <laughs> starring Red Hulk, The Punisher, The New Venom, Elektra, and Deadpool. <sighs> yeah. And another new series from Dennis Hopeless called Cable and X-Force. This title will have art by Salvador LaRocca and will feature Cable... Domino, Colossus, Forge, and Dr. Nemesis. You know what I love? Domino, Colossus, and Forge. Yeah. I also love Dr. Nemesis. Yes. This might be my favorite X team ever. If they got Caliban, beefed up Caliban in there, oh, I lose my mind. (laughs) Hopeless revealed that the cast will be mistaken for villains and hunted by Havoc's Uncanny Avengers team due to the events in the first storyline, but are actually heroes on a Mission Impossible style mission and nobody knows it. That sounds awesome. Totally awesome. Oh, man, that sounds cool. Now, does that mean X-Force is going away, or is it just a X- second Uncanny X-Force, X-Force appears to be over. But on Friday... I will say Cable should be 
leading X-Force. Sure. That's his job. On Friday, rather than releasing more details about the Killers teaser from last week, which seemed like it was going to be X-Force. a relaunch of Uncanny X-Force, right. Marvel unveiled another teaser similar to the others. This time, though, the image featured just one word and no creative team. The word was superior. Marvel plans to release details about the teaser at the Retailer Appreciation Breakfast, which precedes the New York Comic Con on October 11th. The event will feature a mystery guest that Marvel is calling the writer of, quote, the most shocking comic book of 2012. What is that? Speculation is now rampant all over the internet, with different theories popping up on each different site, it seems. Some sites are pointing to Marvel's long-awaited Miracle Man revival, citing some evidence. Marvel recently filed some new trademarks, and Todd McFarlane released his claim. Do you think he's going to kill himself? <laughs> Well, well, what well, else does that guy have going for him? Just out of curiosity. While others are looking at the December 2012 release date for Amazing Spider-Man 700 and the January 2013 release date of the Superior Project and predicting a major Spidey event, evidence for either theory is compelling with recent comments about the importance of Spidey 700 by Dan Slott and other Marvel staffers adding fuel to the fire. Until the retailer breakfast, though, it is anybody's guess. Like, Dan Slott is, put, is sending out stuff like, after this book comes out, I'm going to have to go into hiding. They're really hinting at something huge happening in Spider-Man. Cosmic Spidey returns. He's calling it like... God, the, I hope it's Cosmic Spidey. He's calling it like the conclusion of everything from the beginning of his big time run. I don't know. It, like, it, Peter might die. It's not Miracle Man, and they're not going to kill Peter. I think it might... Be, well, I think, I think Miracle Man is closer than we think. I think so, too. They've been hinting at it for way too long, and they got to pull the trigger on that one. But they're calling this 2013 thing, this superior thing, like the biggest launch of the year. Eh, hyperbole, maybe. Well, yeah, but my theory, and I've had this theory for a while, I think they're going to undo one more day, and I think it's been their plan all along. Fine with me. I'd be totally fine with that. By the way, I think it's pronounced hyperbole. 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 You can't correct your own... <laughs> <laughs> DC Comics finally confirmed the worst-kept secret in comics this week. Artists Ivan Rice and Joe Prado will be taking the artistic reins of Justice League from Jim Lee with December's issue 15. That issue will also serve as the first part of a crossover with Rice and Prado's old series, Aquaman, called Throne of Atlantis. No word yet on who's taking over the art on Aquaman or if Jeff Johns is sticking with the title. Previous rumors have Johns leading the book alongside Rice and Prado that has not been confirmed if he goes. I give that book six months before it's canceled. <laughs> yeah. Who do you get to slip in and do that? I mean, Jeff Johns is doing what Jeff Johns does best in Aquaman, not doing what he does best in JLA. Yes. And I think that, you know, you need to get somebody like get Jeff Lemire on Aquaman. He's that, not a that could be interesting. He's not a big name writer, but the subject matter. If we're if we want to shift gears and start doing weird Atlantis type right. stories, I want Jeff Lemire or Matt, somebody like Matt that. Kent could be yeah. really good there. Um, but don't like Scott Snyder certainly can't write everything, right? And don't give it to you know somebody like Scott Lobdell or Tom DeFalco. Oh, That's God. the kiss of death. I heard Marv Wolfman is available. <laughs> He's a sweet guy. I think it's pronounced Wolfman. As for Jim Lee, he's headed to an as-yet-unknown future project, which some rumors are saying is a new Superman title called Man of Steel, 
written by DC superstar Scott Snyder, who, like I said, will soon be writing everything. Reports say that DC's VP of sales, Bob Wayne, was dodging questions about the rumored series at the recent Baltimore Comic-Con. When asked point blank to confirm or deny the Snyder rumor, Wayne said, quote, I certainly won't confirm that, but I will say it's reasonable to assume that given the release of Man of Steel next summer, we'll come up with a publishing program that will both augment and take advantage of that opportunity. Who speaks like that? And I don't mean with the funny voice. I just mean that sentence. He's a... He's a sales executive. Good he's God. got he's got a company line he's got to stick to. Business, business. This way to business, sir. You know, like come well, <laughs> people. Listen, I like Bob Wayne a lot. I he's a too. great guy. I like Wayne a lot. People are constantly pestering Bob Wayne, right. for like the latest news, and all he can do is just like, well, we will certainly take advantage of all of our paradigms and synergies. Right. And if that, <laughs> and if that weren't enough, DC's vice president of marketing, John Cunningham, said, "Quote." I think it'd be a great book. I'd read that. (laughs) Joe, could it be that we're finally going to get a present-day Superman comic worth reading? Man, I hope so. I do, too. And I think it'd be great. Now, if that means that he's leaving Swamp Thing or something, that's really going to upset me. I don't know. I mean, maybe he can write three books. He only writes two right now. I suppose. But, man, that's Jeff Johns does it. One of them sucks. Yeah, but before relaunch, we loved Jeff Johns, and he was writing like six books. So. That's true. That's true. And maybe he can. I don't know. We'll see. Oh, but man, a Superman title by Scott Snyder. I am, I'm almost a little disappointed at the idea that Jim Lee's going to be the artist. Well, they've got to get their Superman ducks in a row, too, because the movie is coming and coming fast. And guess what? Superman sucks. No, action God. is fun, but it's just so wacky that we're not learning anything it, about the character. I don't feel like the action comics version of Superman has any bearing whatsoever. No, on it the doesn't. New Fifty Two. It doesn't feel like it takes place in the New Fifty Two. Other than he's wearing his rad nano suit. Kick, but awesome. In other DC news, the company surprised fans, or at least they surprised me, by announcing a new miniseries set in the world of JSA The Liberty Files, a product of the long-defunct Elseworlds line created by Dan Jolly and Tony Harris. The new series, and wait for it, it's a mouthful, JSA colon The Liberty Files hyphen The Whistling Skull, (laughs) features Tony Harris's return to The Liberty Files characters he created over a decade ago. This time with writer B. Clay Moore. Who's good. Yeah, I like B. Clay Moore. I like him too. The original, uh, side note, Dan Jolly just seems to have like disappeared from comics. He fell off the face of the earth for a while there. Yeah. And he's a super talented dude. I like Dan Jolly a lot. He's written a lot of things I enjoy, but yeah. maybe he's just, you know, retired from comics. Maybe he was in rehab or something. Maybe Tony Harris and Dan Jolly hate each other. Maybe they do. Oh, that's... Maybe they reconnected after years wanna... of anger. I don't want to think about it. Maybe they were in love. <sighs> And it ended poorly. The original Liberty Files stories featured a trio of covert agents, the Bat, the Owl, and the Clock, analogs for Batman, Dr. Midnight, and Our Man, performing secret missions during World War II. Interestingly, interestingly? I think it's interestingly. Interestingly, Moore and Harris were attached to a Whistling Skull miniseries, a pulp noir story also set during World War II, announced in 2010 and set to be published by DC's Wildstorm imprint. When Wildstorm got sucked into the vacuum of space... I think they got fired out of the airlock, actually, <laughs> like alien style. The Whistling Skull has finally resurfaced, retooled to fit into the Liberty Files universe. Harris isn't shy about his excitement for the project, saying, quote, DC Comics' willingness to marry and seat Whistling Skull firmly in the JSA Liberty Files universe that I was part of creating in years past, in effect, resurrecting that franchise and allowing us to breathe new life into it 
is a testament to DC Comics' dedication to producing exciting new properties that have the potential to go on for many years to come. I feel like I did when James Robinson and I were preparing to release Starman into the world. I can barely sit still. Good Lord. Yeah. Was he now, wearing like colorful robes and like <laughs> prayer beads while he said this? And then now, marching in line with the other DC cultists? I, for one, am very excited to hear about a Liberty Files story, a new Liberty Files yeah, story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was fun. And the Whistling Skull stuff seems like it would be, uh, be a nice fit. It's just weird. Why now? Why now? Yeah. I mean, why, why I'm all they, for it. Why didn't they hit this right after that miniseries came out, which was great and sold really well for them? Why not hit this then? I don't know. I mean, like, I'm well, into it. It's going to be cool. And maybe this they're bringing Elseworlds back. Liberty, Why not? The, the second Liberty Files story was published in 2003. It wasn't until 2010 that they announced The Whistling Skull. So, I mean, many years have passed. I suppose. It's a shame that The Whistling Skull was never... Are you okay? <laughs> All right. I'm going to puke. <laughs> it's a shame. Oh, it's a shame that the Whistling Skull was never, you know, published when it was intended, but I think this marriage of of the two is really great and I'm super pumped about the Liberty Files. And if back. it's the return of Elseworlds, that's very cool because Elseworlds was awesome. Here's the thing though, do you think they'll brand it Elseworlds? I hope so. I hope so too. I mean, why not? Who cares? They're throwing everything else against the wall to see what sticks. Why not? I, I mean, as down as we are sometimes about the DC relaunch, I am happy that they're trying things like this. Sure. Like they put out the Shade series yes. which we'll talk about. They're doing this thing. They're 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 not just, you know, marketing their super extreme versions of right. of, of their relaunch. No, journey. they're taking some chances, and this is a good example of a chance that they're taking. I'm in. I'm in. That's the big news for this week. If you'd like to discuss these stories or anything you think we missed, head over to our Facebook page, where Joe and I have been collecting a list of our favorite skull-themed characters. Quick skull-themed nerd challenge. Go, Atomic Skull. Oh, you took mine. Ha! The Flaming Skull. Blazing Skull. Oh, maybe it was the Blazing Skull. Yeah, I, totally I don't think there is a Flaming up. Skull, buddy. I think you just lost on the second one. Maybe I was thinking of the Flaming Carrot. The second one? You didn't even go for Ghost Rider? <laughs> like, come on. Oh, uh, well, I was looking for one with a skull in the name. Crossbones? Dr. Phosphorus. Dr. Fo- uh, the Director Bones? Come on. Terrible. What happened to you? I'm rusty. You're out of shape. Look at you. I'm rusty. Jesus. That's what happens when nobody challenges me. <laughs> I need Each week, we post a question on our Twitter and Facebook that we call, appropriately, the question of the week. This week's question, what was your favorite DC Elseworlds story, and what was so damn great about it? Joe Patrick, what are our listeners saying? Well, let's get these out of the way quick. We got a couple of jokesters making uh, pre-relaunch jokes. <laughs> Anthony Mathers on our Facebook page says his favorite Elseworlds story is the one where Stephanie Brown was Batgirl. Ooh. Well, I agree. No, I, miss, I agree. I agree, too. I missed that, too. Yeah. What well, wasn't the question, guys. Ethan Johnson also on Facebook says James Robinson's 80-issue Starman series. What's that? Not in Elseworlds? Sure looks like it to me. Well, I don't know. The Shade referenced it, and that's happening in post-52. Is it, though? Like, I actually... My instinct was to pick Starman as well as a joke, and... It certainly seems like it has no place in the new 52. Okay, somebody who. Despite the fact that the shade is. <laughs> someone who picked a real Elseworld story, please. We'll get to it. There's more. Okay. You want to do them now? No. Right. You bunch of jerks. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs>
review time again on THN, where each week we pick two new comics to feed into the sausage grinder. Season the meat with a little pink salt and our secret THN spice and herb mixture. Case it in lamb casings for that perfect snap when bitten. And then slowly braise them in beer. Joe, tell us about your juicy comic sausage. A lot of charcuterie references on this week's episode. Guess what I've been doing for the last two weeks. (laughs) Killing pigs. My review for the week is The Shade, number 12 from DC Comics, written by James Robinson with art by Gene Ha and colors by Art Lion. Which sounds like a code name or a company right. name, but right. it's like art like Arthur and Lion like L Y O N. It's probably Leon. Art Leon. Art Leon. Yeah. Yeah. He French. <laughs> Here's your solicit. The final issue of the Shades year long Odyssey is here. Learn the truth about one of the most mysterious men in the DC universe and see once and for all what makes him tick. That's an exclamation point, Good by the way. Or evil. The Shades Year Long Odyssey is here. Thank you. No problem. <laughs> Some listeners may remember the early days of this series where I reviewed every single issue in the ludicrous speed round. Yes, you did. I know it drove Matt crazy, uh, which is part of why I kept going for so long. Every time, ooh, guess what? I love it. Yeah, we, we know. <laughs> so I gave up the joke after a while. You're welcome. You did? You did. I, I did. You did. I didn't do like the last six. That's true. But now that we're at the end of the run, I couldn't let the final issue pass without one last recommendation. Uh, as stated in the solicit, this is the long-awaited, often teased, but never revealed origin of the Shade. And I'll go ahead and jump to the juiciest bits now. The actual events involved in the main character's transformation from Richard Swift, beloved husband and father, to the Shade, immortal wielder of dark forces, won't be that surprising to anyone familiar with James Robinson's work with the character in Starman. A dark ritual, the involvement of the villainous Simon Culp, a room full of dead bodies, and an amnesiac shade are all elements hinted at in past stories, which isn't to say that Robinson is retreading familiar ground. He offers a look into the shade's origin only hinted at in the past, and even plants the seed for what I hope will become future stories. But the origin of the shade isn't merely confined to the moment of his transformation. Uh, It encompasses the man he was as well as the monster he became. And it's in the telling of that part of the story that the issue is at its best. Robinson paints the portrait of the man Richard Swift as a loving husband and father, a faithful friend, and a successful businessman. And Robinson's excellent script breathes life into Richard Swift. We're made to care about his wife and children and his friendship with a young Charles Dickens. You keep talking. I'm going to make some coffee. I'll be right back. (laughs) And when that life is suddenly lost, the loss feels real. The most Stunning thing about the story, though, is that Robinson does it all in 20 pages. He packs more content into the space he's given than most writers can manage in two or three issues. And a lot of the credit for that has to go to the masterful storytelling of Gene Ha, Robinson's artistic collaborator. Ha uses the space of each issue expertly and breathes real life into Robinson's script. His London is dark. And it's a beautiful place, and his characters are all uniquely distinct. You want to stop and chime in at any point? or Charles Dickens was in it. Charles Dickens was in it. It was so cool. I love it. Did you it. read it? I read it. I, I knew Charles Dickens was in it. <laughs> yes, I read it. It was beautiful. Gene Ha drew the hell out of it. I thought the ritual with the tiger and everything was really creepy and fun. Simon Culp is disgusting. He has a mute teenage wife that he holds prisoner. Yeah. I loved it. It was so good. The colors by Art Lee. Screw you. Hey, listen. I do my job. You left the room for the first 
30 percent of my review. I needed more coffee. <laughs> the colors by Art Lion are. People expect me to be funny, sir, and I can't do it without chemicals. Ah. Uh, <laughs> the colors by Art Leon are a beautiful compliment to Hazard. Uh, the colors were chosen with such care. It looks like each individual panel has its own distinct palette. I loved it. It was gorgeous. Uh, this issue is a wonderful end to what has been, for me, one of the most unexpected titles to come from the DC relaunch. Needless to say, it's essential reading for every Starman fan. And even those unfamiliar with the series should seek it out because even this final issue is a perfect entry point into the world that James Robinson has created. I'm giving it the biggest buy it I can manage. Yeah, you could pick this up and just read The Origin of the Shade and you would go, wow, I want to read more about that guy. And then go back and read this entire series. Yeah. And you, you wouldn't spoil anything, wouldn't screw anything up. This was just fantastic. Is James Robinson it. doing what James Robinson does best? I want more of this from him. Earth 2 is fun. I like it. It's not this quality. It's true. And if my review seemed like it was a little bit written and recited, it's because it's true. I couldn't, like, I had to record... The feelings Joe Patrick had inside of him. I had to, I had to feel Welled all my feelings and get them out. And sprayed onto the keyboard. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> and I, but I had to, you know, put this together. And it was such a beautiful book. And, and the story of the Shade is so compelling. He's by far my favorite character Jesus, from dude, Starman. Jesus, dude, just ask James Robinson to marry you. Just do it here He's on the air. He's already married. Maybe he'll leave her I, for I'm you. already married. Maybe you'll leave her for him. Who knows? <sighs> Matt, whatever you read, it couldn't possibly have been as good, so why don't you just get it over with? Oh, yeah. I read Stumptown, volume two, number one from Oni Comics, written by Greg Rucka with art by Matthew Southworth. Greg Rucka's beloved and tougher-than-nails female detector Dex Perios is back, and this time investigating the theft of a local rock star's prize guitar. And of course, things are much more complicated than they seem. I've followed Rucker's career since I read his whiteout graphic novel way back in 1998, which also starred a badass female lead. Shortly after that, Rucker was writing detective comics for some of my favorite Batman stories. And a few years later, in 2003, he was writing Gotham Central, which everyone should read some of the best police comics out there i love gotham Central. to this day i hold that series in very high regard as one of the best series i've read from dc comics co-written by ed brubaker true through his career rucka's name has become synonymous with excellent street level crime stories and the adventures of dex perios in the pages of Stumptown, volume one which came out in 2009 was some of his best work there's no superheroes here like in his Gotham Central. There's no global threats like in his Queen and Country and no Frank Castle leaving a trail of bodies like in his Punisher run, all of which are excellent, by the way. Stumptown is a story of Dex, a Portland, Oregon-based private detective that quotes Shakespeare and isn't afraid to get punched in the mouth. This is comic storytelling in the real world with real crime and unparalleled attention to detail. Rucka totally does his homework here. The story centers around the guitar player for this band, Tailhook, who's blown up. They're kind of being celebrated as the saviors of rock and roll kind of band, uh, Nirvana-esque, if you will. Miriam Bracca, Tailhook's guitar player, had a 1977 Gibson Les Paul stolen from her, and she's hiring Dex to find it. The amount of detail that Rucka puts into Miriam talking about how she feels about this guitar and the other guitars she owns and the way her text strings it perfectly and tunes it perfectly... It was real. I work with guitar players. This is how they talk. Not to mention Miriam mentioning 
playing like the crystal ballroom in Portland. I was just there two weeks ago. It's so cool when writers can pick out very personal, very local things that you know about and stick them in comics. Let me ask you though. Rucka's fantastic at that. Here's something that happened in the story that made me roll my eyes and no offense to musicians out there where the girl is describing her guitar and she's like, there's just so many songs left in it, you know? That's People say that crap, dude. Oh, my God. This is what musicians talk like. <laughs> this is seriously what they sound like, and some of them ham it up. Yes. Oh, my God. It's part so of, cheesy. Part of working with artists, buddy. I roll my eyes every day. I'm dealing with <laughs> Not everyone can be as cynical as you, Matt Bomb. <laughs> the art by Matthew Southworth isn't pushing any boundaries here, but it's perfect for the feel of the book. Southworth also drew volume one. Yep. And honestly, I don't think there's anyone else that I would rather see draw this title. He has sort of a Sean Phillips meets an early Tim Sale vibe to his work. Again, nothing revolutionary. His paneling is pretty simple and straightforward, but it gives it this very live-action documentary feel, like you're, you're watching something filmed with digital handicam. The colors by Rico Renzi have this really nice, soft feel to the book, but this is a wonderful book. Stumptown isn't anything new or revolutionary. It's just solid, well-written detective fiction, and I love it buy this why don't you just ask greg rucka to marry you already i do love greg rucka love him <laughs> i thought it was really good too i was a little surprised that the stakes i'm gonna pour my coffee you keep going <laughs> oh my god i was a little surprised that the stakes seemed relatively low compared to the first volume oh just wait just wait it's, oh i know it'll but, get weird as hell and, and at I thought that at first, but then you've got people like attacking the guitar tech over it. I mean, they're going to reveal something big and it's going to get more intense, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. But uh, that was just my initial thought. But as the thing progressed, you know, I just decided I'm okay with that. I'm okay with just a good detective story where it's not always about like a kidnapped girl or a murder. Yeah. It's yeah. just like this is this girl. It's like alias without the superheroes. Mm hmm. And it that's was a great. That's actually really good art wise, too. That works. I yeah. Think. Bottom line is I like this as well. I agree that Southworth's art is pretty perfect for the tone of the book. I'm giving it a buy it. Love Sometime Volume 1. That's out in hardcover. Yeah. You should seek that Go out. Go pick that up, guys. Got beat up Of course, we want to know what you Lords of Darkness and Battered Women thought of these tasty comics, so hit us up and tell us how wordy and decompressed our reviews were over at our Facebook page. Man, stop writing Battered Women jokes. But she gets punched in the face all the time. That's what happens to Dex. It's not funny, man. <laughs> I don't write a bunch of Battered Women jokes. Now it's time for my man Joe and I to slip into our glowing bodysuits and weird glowing bike helmets, grab hold of the day glow rods floating in front of us, and let the MCP form our light cycles for us to race across the grid in a game of death, dodging each other's light trails Dang. while we review 10 comics written by users in this week's Tron-themed... Ludicrous Speed! Go! Demon Knight Zero from DC Comics! All right, real quick, the theme to all my picks are DC Zero issues for books I stopped reading I a year ago. figure that out real quick. I tried to catch up on this title in the past, but I am perpetually falling behind. This, though, was a great single-issue story, delving into the past of Ectrigan and his life in hell prior to merging with Jason Blude. 
Really great art by Bernard Chang, who needs to get on a regular title. Yeah, man. Looks like the next issue picks up from a cliffhanger, so I still have some catching up to do, but this issue was great. Buy it. Demon Knights, by the way, great series. I am caught up. Uncanny X-Men number 18 from Marvel. Kieran Gillen is killing it on this X-Book. There's a wonderful scene of Scott and Emma having dinner where he was like eating steak with a sauce made from human blood it's all what (laughs) yeah she like pulled the idea from this cannibal like from his thoughts they're just going crazy like the phoenix has totally overwhelmed them they're going nuts and it happens during the events of this week's a versus x number 11 pardon me avix number 11 even ron garney who i am not always in love with is doing a great job here buy it suicide squad zero one of the worst aspects of the relaunch for an old fan like me, hot and skinny Amanda Waller. Yeah, thumbs down. This was pretty much a Waller spotlight issue detailing the events that led her to form the Suicide Squad. The whole thing is completely forgettable. No Richard Dragon, no Bronze Tiger. And I am just not a fan of artist Fernando Dagnino. Neither. Dagnino has a lot of trouble with anatomy. It's like he just can't decide from page to page just how huge, sexy Amanda Waller's boobs should be. It's gross. I haven't been missing anything by not reading this title all year. Leave it. The Saint number zero from Moonstone. This is definitely not the Val Kilmer Saint, and this is definitely not artist Eduardo Barreto working from the grave. He died last year, which leads me to wonder why it took so damn long for this preview to the upcoming Saint graphic novel to hit the stands. Regardless, it was a good read. Because he died. (laughs) With amazing art by Barreto based on an established character, I guess... Hey, Moonstone, how about pointing us to some history? I couldn't find crap on the Saint. Like, I looked on the internet. It's, I couldn't find it. It was a TV show or a radio series. But it was something. also a comic book, I guess. Mm. They said it's the first new Saint comic book in 60 years. Dang. Yeah. Um, tell us about it. Please, write something in the back. Buy it. <laughs> Thank you. Green Letter Core Zero. There was a whole rant coming. Sorry. I haven't read this since issue one. Uh, Green Lantern Corps just hasn't felt like essential reading since well before the relaunch. It hasn't been. Even though I love Pete Tomasi's writing and Fernando Passarin's art. Uh, this issue, though, is a Guy Gardner spotlight, and if anybody knows anything about me, it's that I love Guy Gardner. I do, too. And Pete Tomasi gives us a brand new origin for Guy that is really compelling. Sadly, my beloved Guy Gardner warrior has been erased from continuity. Oh, too bad. But I think I'll live. Uh, I'm giving this a buy it, and I may catch up and see what I've been missing, even if it's not, you know, yeah. super great. The Guardians are about to take a sh** directly on that I, dude's head. I did really like it. Avengers vs. X-Men number 11 from Marvel. Awesome. This issue was awesome. Somebody dies, and I don't want to spoil anything, but his initials are Charles Xavier. Bendis is great here. Copiel is one of the best artists working today. That said, this probably should have happened at least three issues ago. Yeah. They just stretched it out a little too long. And didn't Chuck just come back? I mean, really, like, I'm upset that they killed him, but at the same time, it was really cool. My relationship with this storyline is extremely complicated, but I'm saying it. I think it's one of the best Marvel crossovers I've ever read. What? I love this. You, you love it. this issue. I love where but we, we ended up. But we have slammed where other Where we're issues. at and how it's going to end. I'm saying I think this might be one of the best. And I have to give this a skim it because they have padded this series out for so long. That I agree. Even though this issue was great. I agree. Getting here was a waste of time. I totally agree, but I think it's going to end really, really well. Yeah. Well, that means it'll read really great in trade. Could be. Batgirl, zero, DC. Side note. Do you call him Charles Xavier? Yeah. Because I always say Xavier. Well, the name is Xavier. It's Xavier. No, Xavier. 
pronounced Xavier. Xavier. The X sounds like a Z. It's not X Xavier. It's X Xavier. No, it isn't. You were saying it wrong. <laughs> Batgirl is one of the books that I lost touch with on purpose. I just couldn't get into Gail Simone's take on this version of the character, which is odd considering I loved her in Gail's Birds of Prey pre-reboot. In this issue, pre-boot, pre-boot. In this issue, I found Babs's internal monologue <laughs> extremely grating. It's all about like how tough she is and how intense she is and yeah. how smart she. Is. Who thinks that way about themselves right. every moment of the day? You walk around, man, am I tough? I mean, I do that, I <laughs> right? Guess, but... uh, and the in- <laughs> my hair looks good. <laughs> <laughs> and the antagonist of the story, who I'm sure was supposed to be scary was laughably cheesy. Yes. Uh, it wasn't all bad. There are a few nice moments and some really nice art nice art from Ed Bennis who uh, changed up his style a little bit here. But still, the one thing yeah. we wanted from this issue wasn't in it. Which? Two things. Which I guess is the same thing as DC definitively answering the Oracle question once and for all. Right. So I'm giving it a skim it. It wasn't awful, but I don't care. I thought maybe we'd see the miracle. Maybe we'd see why she can walk again. They've been talking about it and talking about it and talking about it, and we don't get it yeah. in the Zero issue? Yeah. Come on. I'm saying leave it. Oh. I'm pissed. Go read my blog that I wrote. It's on our website right now. Angry Dude. XO Man of War number five from Valiant. The long-awaited return of Ninja. Yeah. It's hard for me to even say that seriously. I love this comic. Robert Vandetti is writing a convincing and brutal main character displaced in time and wearing an amazingly powerful armor that gives him the ability to f- people up he stop cussing he's a murderer I mean, there's no other way to explain it exo manor goes off and ruins people in this book the art by lee garbett is wait great. did he shove a grenade into a dude yes, and, and blow him held up? onto it and blew him off his hand it was awesome weird there's also a preview to the upcoming shadow man title in the back of this one it also looks awesome go buy two of these comics exo manor is great Frankenstein, Agent of Shade, Zero, from DC. Now, this is one I wish I'd stayed up to date on. Yeah, me too. We get some background on Frank's relationship with Shade and some great monster fighting action. Matt Kent was the perfect choice to take this book over from Jeff Lemire. He's just damn good. And Alberto Ponticelli's art is amazing. Uh, I love that the only reason Frankenstein's jacket has no sleeves is because he took it from a guy whose arms he had just ripped off. (laughs) (laughs) This gets a huge buy it. Punk Rock Jesus number three from DC slash Vertigo. Oh my god, this comic is blasphemous and excellent. Sean Phillips is writing and drawing completely biting an intelligent look at American society, religion, and the entertainment industry. I could not love it more. Not to mention the fact it is beautiful to look at. Yeah. So good. Buy it. I think I gave a buy it to everything that I picked today. What are you, Aaron Myers? I might be. Choom! That is your ludicrous speed round, and choom is the sound of the Incredible Hulk raising both his fists and smashing them down in an unsuspecting Emma Frost in the pages of this week's Avix number 11. Joe Patrick, why don't you read us some more answers to the question of the week? We have a response here from Alex Myers, not to be confused with Aaron Myers. Not one of our love slaves. Uh, Alex Myers is an employee of Legend Comics. Oh, Alex. Yes. He always and... talks about himself in the third person. Sure. I'll tell you what Alex thinks. Alex thinks you're a moron. (laughs) (laughs) Alex's pick is, it's a Batman annual from the year that they did. Make sure and read his response with him talking about (laughs) it. Oh, okay. Alex loves the one about Batman as a pirate captain. (laughs) 
It's a quote from Alex, by the there way. There was a Batman, Batman Annual 7 from the uh, late 90s, the year that every every annual at DC was an Elseworld story, was titled Leatherwing, and it was about Batman as a pirate captain. Oh, I'm sorry, Detective Comics Annual Number 7 from 1994. Who wrote it? Chuck Dixon. Oh, I, I totally remember it. It was great. Alex loves Chuck Dixon. <laughs> Alex loves it. Alex some Chuck Dixon. <laughs> Hey, we got another here from Aaron Myers, King of Askinard, THN Love Slave, etc., etc. Uh, he has to go with Batman and Dracula, Red Rain, calling it pretty great. That was good, too. It was fun. Uh, Batman is a vampire. Sorry for the spoilers. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's basically Batman as Dracula. Who drew that? Kelly Jones. That's right. Kelly Jones with a gigantic, like, huge bad ears. ears. Yeah. Huge bad ears. That was a good one, though. Candy Gross on our Facebook page. This might be Candy's first contribution. Gross. Uh, she says. <laughs> that was rude. That was rude. Thank. Welcome aboard, Candy. Uh, Superman Red Sun is pretty awesome, but I think my favorite is Detective Number Twenty Seven, which was a hardcover graphic novel. It was like a noir detective story, hmm. uh, and because she loves the the time period where it's set in. I remember it coming out. I'd never read it. And finally, Roderick Ruth. The man can't be stopped. The man can't be stopped. He has no mercy. He loves Kingdom Come because of the revelation that Captain Marvel can kick Superman's butt with the power of Shazam. Hells yes. When I talk about that series, and I specifically the part where Billy Batson first comes back and like very quietly looks at Superman and goes, Shazam. <laughs> like, bang! And just like floors him. Oh, I get goosebumps talking about that. Wonderful. Love it. Wonderful. Don't be frightened. The wailing you hear in the background is merely the cries of the time stream bent to Matt and I's will with the aid of Rip Hunter's time capsule and an organic wheatgrass and salvia cocktail concocted by Damien Hellstrom. Please join us now in the THN Sanctum Sanctorum as we gather the forbidden knowledge of next week's comics. Matt, what will you be reading next week? My pick for next week is Star Trek The Next Generation Hive number one. The Borg have taken over the galaxy and only Captain Picard and the crew of the Enterprise's past can save what? the day. This one is written by Brandon Braga who wrote some of my favorite TV episodes of Star Trek The Next Generation. I expect great things here. I'm sure you won't be disappointed. Joe Caroni's drawn it. I like him a lot, too. And if you're aching for more Star Trek The Next Generation, I urge you to follow TNG Season 8 on Twitter. <laughs> it's awesome. It's the best thing ever. <laughs> it's fake scripts for Season 8, and they're hilarious. This week, Jordy and Data found that singing while they do their ship chores <laughs> makes the day go by faster. <laughs> Joe Patrick, what will you be reading? My pick for next week is Fables number 121 by Bill Willingham and Mark Buckingham. I got all excited last month because I thought that number 120 was the conclusion of the Cubs in Toyland story arc, but this is the actual conclusion. I read issue 120 and it was like to be continued. I was like, what? (laughs) You got to the last page before you realized they weren't summing it up. Things are looking really grim for Dare and his sister, and now that I'm all caught up on this series, I can't get enough. I love it. Fables. As a new little section of the Sanctum Sanctorum, we want to introduce to you the THN Trade of the Week. This week's Trade of the Week goes to 
X-Men, The Wedding of Cyclops and Phoenix. This is vintage 90s X-Men stuff, and I love, 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 love a good X-Wedding issue. (laughs) This reprints the 1990s X-Men 27 through 30, the annual number two, X-Men Unlimited number three, Uncanny X-Men 308 through 310, and annual 18, and X-Men The Wedding Album, which is an essential for any (laughs) X-Men wedding dork. And what if number six for good measure? I don't remember what happened. What if Cyclops and Phoenix had not gotten married? Maybe something like that. Bad stuff, I guess. I don't remember. Fun, fun stuff. Pick this one up, X Dorks. Of course, we want to know what you nerds are reading next week. So hit us up on our Facebook, Twitter, or you know, you could email a dude every once in a while. Like, do you not know how email works? You just click the button and type. Yo, what's up, man? I need to get high, man. I need to get hold of some big time dope, man. You know I can get a key. I'm your pusher. Yes, yes, y'all, and it don't stop. The comic pushers are back this week. The comic pushers set sail for the UK with bass bumping, hose booties popping, and enough purple drink to last these pushers at least a month. That's right, syrup. We're into it. Christopher Bell writes us all the way from England. Good day, chaps. I hail from England, where comics are not prominent, and only enjoyed my first foray into the medium with DC's New 52. I saw it was as good a time to get on board, as have always been more of a fan of DC's characters than Marvel generally. Now, I'm a year in, am at last feeling more comfortable following the stories, and have a much better idea of DC's wider universe. But now, I feel it's time to slip into something a little more marvelly, shall we say. Could you recommend any Marvel... He did not say, shall we say. <laughs> no, you I added, added that, that. Can we recommend any Marvel ongoing comics or trade paperbacks for me to try? More than anything, I'd love to, quote, get into the universe a little more, as well as get to know a few interesting characters. Muchos thankos, Chris, the British guy. <laughs> awesome. He, he, he lives in Downton Abbey, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> Don't just say Daredevil. That's your knee-jerk reaction. It's not. I think that, well, Daredevil is awesome. Uh, Daredevil. We both agree. Yes. Uh, But I think now is a perfect time for Chris to be getting into Marvel with the Marvel Now stuff. So I thought we could talk about what we're most excited for in the upcoming relaunch rather than pointing him to something. Right. You know, just in time for it to end. I think there's about to be a major shift at Marvel with the end of Avengers vs. X-Men 12, which comes out next month. Right after that, they're going to roll out a ton of new stuff. So many. The first one that I'm going to throw at you, it's Marvel Stalwart. I'm going to say Incredible Hulk, written by Mark Wade. Uh, it'll be called The Indestructible oh, Hulk. Oh, that's right. The Indestructible yeah. Hulk. The Hulk is working for S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah. All kinds of weird madness going on. It's going to be so much fun, and it's going to be a Hulk story that, and I'm just guessing here, but it reminds me from what we've seen so far, a little more like Peter David's Hulk from the 90s. Our smarter Hulk, right. who's taking an active role in the Marvel Universe. I cannot wait for this book. I agree. And Mark Wade has said that if you are a fan of his Daredevil, you people will love Indestructible Hulk, which doesn't mean much to Chris, but it means a lot to guys like me oh, yeah. and Matt. Oh, yeah. Um, so Mark Wade's Daredevil, Mark Wade's upcoming Hulk coming in uh, November. Yes. I think Uncanny Avengers. I totally agree. Is that's definitely me. one you should pick up. That's it's where the, I was going to go next. It's the first book of the Marvel Now relaunch. And it will be kind of the melding of the two families, if you will. The X-Men and the Avengers are coming together. The imaginary boundaries that have separated the two are fading. 
they are getting out there in the world to show people that mutants are to be trusted, that they are not to be feared, and that they're here to help. And it's also going to touch on a huge amount of characters. So you'll get yeah. you'll get a little taste of lots of different Marvel characters. I would also say Hickman's Avengers. Oh, Hickman's Avengers. There's going to be like I am a cast so excited of thousands for Hickman's in Avengers. this book. And it'll if, it'll give you like a smorgasbord to pick from. They can go, hey, I kind of I'm sort of interested in that guy. I'm sort of interested in this character, and you can just try them out. One of which should be Matt Fraction's Hawkeye. Just started issue oh, two oh, came oh, out oh. this month. Go and pick up number one and number two. You don't need to know anything. Yeah, we reviewed it a couple episodes ago, and the whole point of the Hawkeye series is. Hawkeye is an Avenger, and the and what happens in Hawkeye is what's going on when he's not being an Avenger. Right, and he's a dude, and just that's like all you, you and need me. to know. He's just a guy. Oh, Matt Fraction's Hawkeye is brilliant. I picture him with Brad Pitt's voice. Okay, right? Why not? Right? Yeah, Brad Pitt is Hawkeye. I love it. So those are some good starting points, Chris. Um, I think Spider Man is also really good right now, and you. It's gonna be hard to jump into. I don't know. I don't Spider- know about that. He's gonna have to go back a little bit. It's. It, Dan Slott's doing a great job. I love it. But it's pretty thick with continuity. Mm. Well, maybe. Yeah. I mean, it's not a good jumping on point. Maybe that superior thing that they're talking about coming will be. But it... when Spider-Man kills Aunt May. If I... <laughs> yeah. I would say if you're going to start with Spider-Man, you got to go back to the beginning of Slot's run. Mm, maybe. And it's worth a read because it's wonderful stuff. But don't try and dive in the middle. You'll be lost. The bottom line is, is that if you're looking for something new to jump into, now is a great time. A bunch of books are ending and being relaunched. We talked about a few today. That new Cable and X-Force book sounds oh, great. man. These are wonderful books. Marvel's doing a great job. And this is coming from me. I am a diehard DC fan. And, you know, DC's just not doing it for me at the moment. So. No. Thanks for writing, Chris. Thanks a lot for your question, Chris. And if you're looking... Sorry for the insulting accent. I don't think it was insulting. I made him sound prim and proper. If you guys are looking for new comic reading to cook down, smoke, and then fill your shorts while you're squirming, just send us an email with the subject comic pushers and a list of books, movies, music, political movements, dog food, whatever, and we'll pick out two highly addictive comics for your ass. Sort of break it break it down like this. That is it for the sausage and I didn't say boner once episode because damn it, Brett Merriman, we want you back, baby. You didn't say boner once, but you cussed like 10 times. Whatever, we'll beep it out, man. That's what the censor beep is for. If Dude Earth screaming about comics with secret subliminal satanic undertones gives you a boner, you can subscribe to this show on iTunes where your star ratings and reviews will be rewarded with an eternity of hellfire and damnation. Oh, that's great. That's the truth, man. I'm sorry. That's, you know? that's not Let them know truth. what they're getting into. Huge thanks to Sam, our latest donor. I almost said boner. <laughs> and if you'd like to help keep us our in... Our latest <laughs> boner. <laughs> and if you'd like to help keep us in skulls for the THN Skull Throne... That's a Warhammer 40,000 reference. Thank you. Somebody call it out. You can make your... <laughs> You can make your donation in any amount at the new and improved TwoHeadedNerd.com. While you're there, you can find links to our Twitter feed and our email, TwoHeadedNerd at gmail.com, where you can send us your love slash hate mail or the comic that you would like us to review. We love receiving comics from you guys. Send us stuff. Next week, it's time again to take a look. It's in a book where we will be reading and reviewing Anthony Bourdain's Get Jiro. Remember when we mentioned that like three months ago? We're going to do it. 
And don't forget to hit up twoheadednerd.com where the Love Slaves have been very busy cranking out new content, including my own new blog, Small Man Big Mouth, where I take two to 3,000 words to rant about something that's pissing me off. And remember to follow us on Twitter and like our Facebook page if you want to get in on the Question of the Week discussion. Matt, what was your favorite Elseworlds story? Gotham by Gaslight, hands down. Mm, good hands down. Brian Augustine, Mike Mignola. P. Craig Russell. With Inks by Pig Craig Russell. It is beautiful. Really, really cool. I loved Elseworlds. It's hard for me to pick my favorite. I love books like JSA, The Nail. I love the, the Liberty Files stuff. The Nail didn't end well, though. And then well, they it did had a sequel. Another Nail. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I have a soft spot in my heart for like the uh, Superman, Batman Generations books, which were like three huge epics by John Byrne that I know Matt hates. Yeah. Uh, but uh, oh, JSA: The Golden Age that by James great. Robinson that and was Paul a lot Smith. Of fun. A lot but of I, fun. I have to give it to Kingdom Come. Yeah. Um, Hands down. No other story, no other alternate reality story had the impact on me that Kingdom Come did, and I think that's probably true for a lot of people. J- Jail Ape didn't do it for you. Jail Ape wasn't Elseworlds. It was Incontinent. All oh, right, that shit happened. Yes. <laughs> They all turned into monkeys. Before we go, our weekly shout-out goes to Jerry the King Lawler, who had a heart attack on the air, but it is awake and talking as of yesterday. And Morgan Freeman, who did not die, but put a good scare into the whole damn internet when some moron tweeted he was dead. Word to both you guys. Jerry, you have so many more songs left to sing. And again, Morgan Freeman, very much alive. Until next time, true believers, this is the Two-Headed Nerd, signing off! I'll tell you, kids. <gasps> Roadblock! The old feed is gone. There's some problems with iTunes, but you can download all the old DHN episodes directly from TwoEditNerd.com. Thanks, Roadblock! Now we know! And no one is half the battle. But inside.